It's time for Lawyers for Jesus, a show about the dynamic and exciting interaction of faith and the law, featuring the attorneys from the law firm Malkin Baker in downtown Chicago. Malkin Baker is nationally known for defending freedom and for serving the people of faith. And now, Lawyers for Jesus. Hello, welcome to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm Rich Baker, an attorney and a partner at the law firm of Malkin Baker in Chicago. We are Christian attorneys who focus on serving the body of Christ with its legal needs. To learn more about us, go to maukbaker.com, that's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com, or call 312-726-1243. Are you a business owner or an employer wondering about how you can manage your employees and even your own religious expression in the workplace? Well, today I'll be speaking with Wesley Covert, partner at the law firm of Lader Mution who focuses his practice on all aspects of employment benefits law. As a Christian attorney with a firm specializing in labor law, Wesley can speak to religious accommodations and the rights of employers when it comes to religious expression in the workplace. So, Wes, welcome to Lawyers for Jesus. Hey, Rich. Thanks for having me. Well, this is a pretty important topic, and you're kind of placed in a in a vital role uh, with regard to Christian employers and your firm has specialized in this area. I know other attorneys with your firm as well who, who work, who have a Christian perspective and are concerned about uh, employee and employer rights with regard to the workplace. So let's just jump in. <clears throat> Before we start into that topic, tell us a little bit about you, how you integrate your faith and your practice and the firm. Yeah, uh, so I'm a partner at Later Mution, and, and all we do is employment and labor uh, work for employers. I, I do a lot of work in employee benefits. And so this w- was a topic that just really sh- really struck a chord. And, and we discussed it at the, the last um, Christian Legal Society conference. And so um, at, at the office, I, I mean, I, I got to confess that I'm, I could probably integrate my faith in, into uh, my, my workplace better. But I think just being someone who uh, is intentional about having good conversations, praying for other people, um, someone that um, is uh, willing to maybe step in, you know, in, in a moment where where someone needs it. I'd add to that a couple things. Um, because you are a believer yourself, I think that gives you understanding into some of the the issues that are really involved in a, in a um, a perspective that someone who's just a practitioner with no interest in the area at all might not have. Um, and, and so from, from an employer's perspective or from an employee's perspective, even if you're representing the employer, you might understand well um, some of the dynamics that the employee has, which could be of great benefit to your clients, I believe. Right, right. I mean, ha- having just the understanding of what, you know, that religious expression is in the workplace, I think is is important. I mean, from, you know, when we're talking about this, I think we're talking about this in the context outside of uh, your classic religious employers, like a church or a religious organization. We're really looking at the, your your everyday private employers that aren't associated in, in what they do with a, with a particular uh, religious objective. Um, and so this is something where they have a right, employer and employee under the Constitution, under Title VII of the Civil Rights Act, to express their sincerely held beliefs. And it's something that is a delicate balance because you're trying to walk that line of being able to accommodate that religious belief while also serving the workplace and whatever you know, particular uh, uh, service you're providing. 
you mentioned uh, Title VII, and we'll get back to that. So that's a federal statute. There's also the Illinois Human Rights Act, I believe, that Correct. has a great deal of uh, influence with regard to uh, employees' rights uh, in Illinois. Correct. All right. So let's go back and let me ask a direct question. What do you mean by religious expression in the workplace? What kinds of things do you have in mind? Right. So go, going to... Uh, I think providing some examples is, is an easy way to uh, to look at this. And so we look at how does someone express their sincerely held beliefs and how can that be honored in the workplace and, and where can it be accommodated? Because employers need to accommodate those sincerely held re- religious beliefs unless it poses an undue hardship. And so examples that we see is employers um, may want to hold a Bible study. They may want to hold a a morning prayer meeting before work starts. Employees may want to dress a certain way, wear their hair a certain way, uh, decorate their office or workstations uh, with um, uh, religious posters, um, maybe taking time during breaks to read their Bible, start a voluntary prayer group. All these are different examples. All right, so you've you've raised some of these different examples. Uh, from an employer's perspective, what can they do, and and uh, or what should they do? I, almost, what do they have to do? Is when we're talking law. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that what we're seeing is that because America is a melting pot and we have all different types of religions, what they should do is be very sensitive to the fact that everyone brings something different to the table, and that if you're going to provide an accommodation. Uh, or recognize or have an activity for one religion, you're going to need to do so for all religions. And so if you're going to have non-work-related activity, then you have to be sensitive to the fact that you're going to have to recognize that other people are going to bring different agendas to the, to the table. And you can't prioritize or uh, prop up one over the other. Um, and so uh, getting to the, to the point of if... Of course, if the request poses that undue burden, that um, that changes the the uh, the story a little bit because now we have to look at the impact on the employer. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm Rich Baker of the law firm of Mauk and Baker. If you're just tuning in, make sure to visit maukbaker.com to hear the rest of this interview. Uh, you can also subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on Facebook and Twitter for legal updates with a biblical perspective. Today, we're speaking with Wes Covert, partner at the law firm of Lehner Mution, and we're talking about employment law uh, and religious faith in the workplace. You just raised, before that little uh, introduction, you raised the question of undue burden. What do you mean by that? The undue burden, this is a very fact-intensive balancing test that each employer really has to uh, delve into, and it's going to be specific uh, depending on the circumstances, but what we're looking at is, do we make an accommodation for someone's sincerely held religious beliefs? The answer generally is yes, if there's no undue burden. So what's an undue burden? Well, we have to look at the financial cost to accommodate. We have to look at the workforce efficiencies that are lost as a result of the accommodation. Perhaps you have a collective bargaining agreement that deals with seniority, and you have to uh, address seniority issues. Um, and then, of course, there's always health and safety in, involved. And so when you balance all those factors, can you provide an accommodation? And what does that accommodation look like? Sometimes it might not be what the employee wants, but it might have to be something. And and so looking at all the different um, issues that are presented in the moment, 
the employer is going to have to make a decision. So far, this has been very abstract. It sounds like lawyers talking to lawyers. Let's let's bring it down to reality. Like, um, all right, I don't want to work on Saturdays, or I don't want to work on Fridays, um, or I don't want to work on Sundays. And right. you have um, you have a twenty four seven type of operation going on. How does that work? You're I'm I'm the employer, and I'm saying this employee is telling me he's not going to work on Sundays. He can't. Do I have to accommodate him? Right. And so I think what you have to do is say, okay, so what, how, how do I staff this particular position? And if I don't staff this position uh, well, because I have staffing issues, I don't have enough employees and I I can't, uh, I can't swap them out. Then we may have to look at an accommodation where we're transferring this person to a position where they don't work on Sundays. But otherwise, if the employees are able to swap out their 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 positions, they're re- re- regularly able to exchange schedules. Then the employer is going to need to accommodate that in, in that circumstance, and um, because it's, it it doesn't pose any sort of a significant burden. So if if you're a smaller employer, that might be a greater burden. Than, Correct. Than that's exactly and right. And those kinds, of, you said it's very fact intensive. So that's the kind of fact intensity that we're looking at is yep. how many employees, can you accommodate them? Uh, inconvenience is not enough to deny religious expression. Is correct. that correct? Exactly. De minimis cost, um, a, a, an inconvenience, not only to the employer, but to the employees. Uh, that brings up an interesting point in terms of uh, if, if an employee is sharing their faith, Sharing your faith, sharing your opinions is is something that is perfectly fine. But if another employee deems this to be harassment and tells the other employee to please stop doing that, I don't I don't want you to do that anymore, and they keep doing it. Now we have a potential harassment issue that we have to deal with. And so again, you, you so, have to look so at how, all those. How do you issues. deal with it? So the the uh, this report has come in. There's right. a complaint made. The employer is coming to you and saying, "How do, how do I deal with this? What how, what, how are you going to advise?" Them? I I mean, in a situation like that, you're going to want to sit down with the particular employee who's sharing their faith, explain to them that it's been communicated by this other employee that they 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 believe that you know, they don't want to hear that. They believe that this this is potentially harassment. Now, obviously, if if it's just a one time thing, hopefully that just goes. But I, but if it keeps going. And the employee who doesn't want to listen to this, who doesn't want to hear this, or feel like feels like they're being lectured to, this could lead to some sort of form of discipline. And the uh, disciplines would be by policy manual, or, or how? ideally, yes, is that you would you would have a uh, an accommodation policy, something where it's communicated in a handbook. Uh, with all the other types of policies, whether it's discrimination or codes of conduct, and it's just something that that everyone is is aware. And and in terms of documentation, I think it's important that an employer who does have a specific religious stance incorporate in their bylaws, in their governing documents, a statement of faith, something where it's it's grounded in the roots of the company, the beliefs that they, they they're holding. I'm I'm going to want to come back to that in a second. Um, we mentioned. Uh, employee handbooks. I would imagine that's something that you and your firm do a lot of as well. I'm putting a plug Why, in there yes, for you. Yes, thank you, Rich. <laughs> I'm glad you asked. You're, you're more than welcome <laughs> on that. Um, when we come back, I'm going to want to talk more about um, faith in the workplace. Uh, so we'll talk further with Wes Covert. He's an attorney with Laner Mution, and we'll talk about religious expression in the workplace. I'm Rich Baker, and this is Lawyers for Jesus.
Are you making sure your business is well supported? Would you like to protect your hard work and add value to your company? Partner with lawyers you can trust. The attorneys at Malcolm Baker have experience navigating the complex world of business with both small and large businesses. They understand the challenges that many companies face, especially closely held family businesses. That's why they've been helping their clients achieve pragmatic solutions to suit their objectives, even in the most difficult situations. Malcolm Baker is the go-to law firm for all your business-related legal needs, including contracts and transactions, planning and formation, corporate administration, operation and employment, risk management, mergers and acquisitions, litigation, and more. Don't go about your business without competent and wise legal counsel. Contact Malcolm Baker today. Call 312-726-1243 or visit malkbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. Welcome back to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm Rich Baker, an attorney at the law firm of Malk and Baker. We're based in Chicago, and we serve uh, churches, ministries, businesses, and individuals and their legal needs. If you missed the first part of this show and want to listen online, go to malkbaker.com forward slash radio. Today, we're speaking with Wes Covert, partner attorney at Lehner Mushin, and we've been talking about religious freedom in the workplace. And uh, Wes, when we, we were talking just before the break, we were talking about some of the things that employers have to accommodate. Let me switch just for a second, and maybe we'll come back to that. But what if I'm an employer and I have a strong religious faith and I'd like to encourage my employees with regard to faith? What can I do and what should I be looking out for? I think what you need to do is that you, to, you need to be mindful that as an employer, if if you're promoting faith, you have to be mindful of employees that either have a, a different faith or don't prescribe to a, a certain faith, and they're going to take any sort of invitation that you have as being part and parcel with a, a work duty. And so if it's communicated that any sort of an invitation to say a Bible study or a prayer meeting is a non-work related activity and that it's a wholly voluntary activity has nothing to do with their, their, their duties. And it's very clear that their attendance is not going to be something that's going to be held against them, whether they do or not. I think that that's very important because I mean, obviously we're, the, the employer in that instance is going to want to foster you know, a, a relationship. They want to develop a relationship. They, they want to uh, have that expression um, and so they don't want to create this this, um, this stigma by saying that by mistakenly implying that this is something that they have to do, and, and so putting it out there that it's voluntary, putting it out there that's not related to work or in, in anything of of that nature. I think that that would be a, a good first step. So I think what you're saying is, when you say putting it out there, you're probably talking about even in your policy manuals and other. Other objective um, ways. More, more say, if an email was to go out to uh, to the workforce to say, FYI, 7 a.m. Thursday mornings, there's going to be a prayer breakfast. You're holy volu- It's holy voluntary. You're invited to come. Uh, it has nothing to do with work. It's just you know it's a chance to come and uh, you know share prayer. So, uh, what if it's the employer who's leading the prayer breakfast or or senior management or something, does that have an effect on it as well? It doesn't affect the ability of the employer to do it. It just, uh, they need to be mindful that no one's keeping tabs. There's not an attendance sheet. You're not doing anything to make it uh, 
appear that this is something that could be held against someone that's not participating. So again, I'm hearing in each of these cases, it's very fact-intensive, Yep. and you have to think through very carefully. Uh, the, the word would be coercion. Are, are you forcing employees uh, to mimic a, a faith in order to to advance or to be accepted at the workplace. And and that's the no-no. Correct. That, that They can't believe that, that their ability to move further in the workforce is dependent on them to attend this, this meeting if they if this is something that runs counter to their beliefs. Uh, all right. So here, here's a very practical question for a lawyer who works in this area all the time. I get an employee, I have an employee and the employee comes in and uh, complains and says, hey, I really feel this is unfair. And, and I'm really worried about my job. What what are you gonna What are you going to do with regard to that as advising the employer? If an employee co- comes in, and, well, he comes uh, into yep. the, the he files a complaint mm-hmm. in the firm, and the and the employer brings it to you and says, you know, I'm really concerned about this. How, how do I handle this? Well, I th- I think that what you have to do is that you have to, like you said, dive into the facts to understand. W- what was said to the, to the particular employee? Uh, was this an employee-employee issue? Is this an employer-employee issue? Uh, is there a policy that was in place that the employee did or didn't follow through? So I'm going to kind of lean on lawyer ease here and say that you know, we do have to you know, delve into the d- different fact scenarios and gather as much information as possible before we can make any sort of a, you know, a, a change or, or take any sort of a change. You know, steps. If discipline's needed, probably not. It'd probably just be an accommodation of some kind. What uh, uh, are the remedies that an employee has if they're feeling that they've been discriminated against? Uh, contacting the EEOC, Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, and 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 you know, basically uh, starting a potential charge there, and 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 that's where um, an investigation would open to determine whether or not there was any sort of a uh, discrimination at uh, at hand, and and uh, that does that necessarily well well as a as an attorney representing an employer, when you get an EEOC complaint, what does that look like in terms of cost and in terms of uh, how do you handle that? You you have to essentially defend it almost as if you're defending a uh, a particular case. You have to interview the applicable witnesses. You have to draft a position statement to essentially respond to the position of the EOC in order to rebut any sort of uh, discriminatory statements that have been made and make your case and present any witnesses or any evidence supporting that the uh, that the employer didn't commit any discriminatory acts. So what I'm hearing is it's a big deal. It's a very, very big deal, and, and it's uh, it's something that needs to be taken seriously and and addressed immediately. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm Rich Baker of the law firm of Malkin Baker, and we're here talking with Wes Covert, partner attorney at Laner Mution, and we're talking about uh, religious rights, uh, employer and employee, in the workplace. Uh, we've been talking about some of the remedies. It's a Title VII remedy when you're going with the EEOC. Is that correct? Correct. And that's federal law. Um, is there a human rights uh, action that you can take um, through the state of Illinois as opposed to going to EEOC? Uh, they have similar commission under the state of Illinois, and it's similar process where an investigation would open and you'd have to rebut any sort of uh, uh, causes brought. 
So if I was an employer, which of those two tribunals would I rather be before? <laughs> I'm asking that as a very serious question. Yeah. I, 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 in our practice, I think we always feel like we're more comfortable under federal law. Um, oftentimes, lawyers just yeah. feel a little more comfortable with yeah. a, uh, professionalism in the, in the federal courts, I suppose, mm -hmm. is the way to say it. Um, yeah. All right. So let's turn back. What are some specific examples? Uh, you know, I'm thinking of... Uh, the Muslim who has da daily prayer. Uh, sincere, devout Muslims often have five prayers per day. What happens in that situation in your workplace? What um, and how, how would you advise your employer? Again, you have to you have to see how difficult would it be to accommodate that. That 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 is not an uncommon situation for employers to face. And so, if it's easy to accommodate someone to take a, a short break throughout the day in order to accommodate those prayers, then they're going to be required to do so. So if I was an employer and I said, okay, I'll do that, but I'm going to um, reduce your um, lunchtime, does that work or is that inappropriate to do that? That would be inappropriate to do that. Okay. Yeah. So th that would be seen as a, a penalty Correct. against them yep. for their religion. Yep. Um, well, let's take another one. What about dress codes? Uh, we have some corporations that have uniforms. Um, other corporations just have dress codes and sometimes religious uh, convictions can mm -hmm. cross over the line for those. Right. And so uh, you see this a lot in the, uh, the the food industry where you have health and safety issues or uh, industrial issues with, with clothing. So wearing you know, long garments, skirts, or having longer hair if that's an issue. But in this day and age, it's very easy to accommodate long hair with, with, um, with buns and nets and, and other articles of clothing, hats, what have you. Um, and so to be able to accommodate that, you have to, again, you know, look at the difficulty and the burden that's placed on the employer. And in most cases, you're able to provide an accommodation with relatively minimal burden that, you know, imposed. Um, well, let's take another example. Um, the Rastafarians and others um, have dreadlocks and things like that. And you think that that can easily be accommodated. What if the employer's concerned about the appearance rather than just the safety issues or the health issues. I, I think that when you get into an, an appearance issue, again, we're, yeah, I, I don't want to commit to anything specifically, mainly because the fact that the particular place of employment, depending on, on how important it is for, for there to be a, uh, uh, you know, a, a, stressing a specific appearance, we'd have to look to see if there's an accommodation where maybe there's a forward or a back office or, you know, just, just, you'd have to look at all the different, different uh, options. You're really saying the default option here is let them do it. My default option is always going to be toward the employee. If there isn't some significant burden, whether it's cost, health, safety, or efficiency. Yeah. Um, we are going to run out of time and I see that, that coming uh, fairly quickly. Uh, I had a lot more questions for you, unfortunately, that we haven't gotten to. Um, the pharmacist and other questions like that. Um, thanks for being on the show. Tell us a little bit about your firm, about your practice, and how people can get a hold of you, or if you have on your website even information on employment that might be helpful to them. Sure. Thanks, Rich. So, Lanermuchin, L-A-N-E-R-M-U-C-H-I-N.com. Lanermuchin.com is uh, our firm's website. And we uh, we do all things related to employment labor. And we have, whether it's training, whether it's uh, litigation, 
um, whether it's uh, dealing with union negotiations, I, I deal with employee benefits, so compliance with health and welfare and retirement plan laws, business immigration needs, all those different aspects. And so this is certainly something that uh, if you have an issue with regard to accommodations, we can certainly help you out. Thanks again. If you have a legal need or a question and want a perspective of a local Christian attorney, contact us at Malkin Baker. You can reach us at 312-726-1243 or at maukbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. On our website, you'll find our Lawyers for Jesus podcast, and you can also subscribe to our newsletter for legal insights. Thanks for listening. I'm Rich Baker, attorney at Malkin Baker, and this is Lawyers for Jesus. to serve somebody Yes indeed You're gonna have to serve somebody